This is Antonio D from Finding the God Spark podcast. Just keeping the towel with Ant Boogie. Easy World, Easy World is your man, Ant Boogie. Don't worry about the name, get used to the voice. And it's another episode. It's a new time. It's a new month. It's a new week. It's a new day. It's a new minute. It's a new hour. It's a new second. And here we are back at it again, man. We are here with another episode of Keeping the Towel. Thank you so much for tuning in, rocking, and vibing with me as always. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the best podcast in the world, the best podcast in the podcast fair. And I am your man, your host, your coach, Ant Boogie. So, Welcome, welcome, welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back at it again. As I always tell you, life is a fight. And I want to make sure you are still in the fight with me. And I'm back in here and we are here not in the normal ring that we're getting ready for our normal fight. We are in the sparring gym. And I'm still at this again, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Why I Kept My Tower Series Father's Day Edition. Where I'm talking with some incredible fathers who are going to speak about their journey of fatherhood. So I'm going to talk to some of these guys and you're going to hear their raw stories. So you're going to hear some stuff. So if you got virgin ears, don't take this off. Go ahead and listen to it because I think you're going to hear it. So you're just going to have to deal with it. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, I got my sparring partner in the ring with me on today. This brother I've known for a minute. I've known his family. And I'm telling you this, I've spoken many times, and this dude is raw. So, yeah, I got the right sparring partner in here with me. Ladies and gentlemen, my man, Mr. Frank Rudd. Frank, are you in the building? What's going on, my man? we here with you, Aunt Boogie, man. Thanks for having me this night. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Yes, he's here with me, man. And, yes, this is going to be a good one. We're going to hear his story about fatherhood, him growing up. And also, we're going to get a chance to talk about what that transition was like for him into fatherhood. So it's going to be a good one, y'all. So you already know how this goes. So ladies and gentlemen, go and grab a seat. Sit around the sparring ring. Frank, I'm going to need you to make sure you get out your locker room and get into your corner. Get in your last instructions. And I need you and I to get to the center of the ring. Touch gloves because, ladies and gentlemen, it is Frank and, and Boogie. We are back at it for this sparring session. And the round has officially started. Let's get into it. So Frank, put people on. Let's step in the time machine and let us know where it all started for Frank. Well, it started in a small town called Phoenix City, Alabama. I'm a country boy at heart. But, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been in ATL since I was two years old. Wow. And so uh, so I was raised here in ATL, so I'm more atl but I was raised by two country-ass parents. <laughs> I mean country. They were undereducated. But they did the best they could with what they have. They are the hardest two people I ever met in my life. Mm. And they had their flaws. You know, as a kid, all your parents have flaws, right? You never can do anything right. But they loved me and they gave us the best thing they did was to get us out of Alabama. I'll tell you that right now, and mm. I'm telling you. I got kin folks that's still there. They still got a small mindset. They think that they're supposed to be in the condition that they are. And these are Bible people. And they still think they're supposed to be there. They never seen outside of, of Little City, Alabama. But my dad did one thing because he was a truck driver, over the road driver. He fell in love with Atlanta. He moved his family here, and that was the best move that he made for us. Put me in the home. What was it like in growing up, the rules, the structure on the home? Because you have both parents. Yep. So put us in that time, put us there in that home where it flies on the wall. Okay. Structure the discipline in that home. Okay, like? well let's let's start with the good. Then I'm gonna get to the bad. Let's do that. Man. Um, it was just my brother and I. My brother and I we just one year apart with my mom Corey and my daddy Johnny Jr. And my dad was a hardworking man. He could not read. He was he dropped out of high school I think like sixth grade, but he taught himself how to drive and how to how to fix cars, and that's what he did. And so you know from that time and era that early seventies. The man did all the work, and then the woman, you know, take care of the home, take care of the boys. So, growing up, my dad did, the only role he played was providing and discipline. That's it, as far as me and my brother was concerned. But again, he worked hard, and he made sure that we worked hard. And if my mom had any trouble with us, we're not going to tell your dad. You know, that, that guy was a lie. But my mom was a loving woman. She's a um, God-fearing woman. But she was strong. My mom, my mom was very strong. And my dad had a real tough bark. 
but my mom was the bite. So growing up in the home, I, I we had everything we need. We actually a middle class family. He made good money at uh, at one time, and so we was good. But the discipline, me being the older brother, I I got I caught the wrath for everything. Even if my little brother messed up, I got the wrath for that. Yes, I got whippings, I got beaten, I got all that good stuff. But one thing I took away from that, even as an adult today. Was that necessary? It, what, what made it hard for me is that how can you discipline a child for something you never taught them? You know what I'm saying? You no, know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, they, they gave us rules, right? They, they gave us chores. We did our chores. We made sure we did our chores. But if something broke, it, you know, it's an accident. You know, so why you get disciplined for breaking something and it was a mistake? So it, it was times like that. But then we 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 grew from that. And I, I told this story to some guys earlier, y'all. I, I remember my last spanking, my last beating. And he actually sat me in the chair. He was hitting me with a belt. And I did not cry. And I was staring at my father without blinking my eyes. He just stopped. And I think he knew that he passed the line on this one. And I, he never beat me again. I was probably about 12 years old at that time. So I learned a lot from that time how my daddy treated us as far as teaching us discipline because he never taught. He gave me weapons for stuff that, again, that he did not, that wasn't a rule. But I understood, but I kind of understood because, um, again, of the time, him being a man and the pressures that society brought on him, uh, being a black man in the 70s in the South, but he did, if he had a bad day at work, he took out on us. You know what I'm saying? Even yelling at my mom and stuff like that. He never hit my mom. He never did that. But he, he said stuff all the time. And then he was a, he was a drinker, too. He drank a lot. He drank a lot. He wasn't a functional drunk. But once he got that check on Friday, he probably was drunk to Sunday. Yeah, and so, so we had to watch that. We had to watch that, and we, had, and we had to learn from that. But one of the most devastating part that happened to me personally he, he drove for this company in in atlanta and they were part of a truckers union and at this time they was on strike come to find out i found out years later the facts but he actually had to go to federal prison for destroying property during the strike which is a federal crime of course i didn't know about that and and i remember it because he actually started serving his time during the first day of my senior year of high school so here's the situation. I'm in senior high school. I'm trying to go to college. I had no direction. Both of my parents are undereducated. They, they don't know what to do to get me into college. Unfortunately, the school system in DeKalb County, they just really didn't care about black boys. You know, you're not college material anyway. Although I was, I had a great grade point average. My test score was great, but they put black kids in a box. No, this is what y'all gonna do. And so I had no guidance of trying to get into college filling out applications, all this kind of stuff. And so so I had to make those decisions on my own. And so that's one of the biggest things, I guess, regrets that I have about my father, that he made a decision to do something so stupid that it affected his father, and that still, that still lingers today. Dad goes away, and mom, you and your brother, and mom, what was that like? What was that dynamic in the home like? It was pressure. But it was pressure that, you know, me being the oldest, I, I got it. And so I, I mean, I've been working since I was about 14. So I played sports in high school and all that kind of stuff. And I still had jobs. I like, I like money. You know, my parents like, you want it, you go work for it. And so I always had jobs. But when it came for my decision to go to college, I said, well, I have to work. So that's the decision I had to make. Was it pressure? I don't, I, I don't think it was pressure. Because it was at the time the right thing to do. But me being a father today, I did not want to put that on my kids. You know what I'm saying? Because of a mistake that my parents made. Or I didn't want to make a mistake where they have to fill in for me. So I wouldn't say it's pressure, but we was able to do things, you know, but since I wasn't in college, worked, party a lot, started drinking a lot, uh, started chasing women a lot. And so now I'm all off. I'm just out just doing my thing because at eight, well, 18 years old, I think I'm an adult. Well, legally, I was an adult, but but, but really, uh, maturity-wise, I was a fool. <laughs> I was a fool. So, yeah, it, it, affected us, it, it affected us. But I wouldn't call it pressure. It's just a decision that I, uh, that, uh, I had to make. As you're growing 
through high school and of the sort, were there moments that you had like, man, Pop, if you were just only here to just show me, did you have those moments or was it like, hey, whatever, I'm going to forge this way for myself? It's two situations that I had because one of the things that I had to do was hard. Is that like like every other Saturday we he was down at the Atlanta Penitentiary off of uh, Moreland. Moreland. Yeah. yeah. And so we go see him. And so one time I went to see him by myself. And what prompted you to do that? He was my dad. He was my dad. I want to make sure that he was all right and things like that. And but then he asked me the question. He said, "What are you gonna do about school?" Hey, like, what? You locked up in here? Well, I can't think about school right now. You know what I'm saying? And so he asked me about it. I'm like, "Come on, man." You know, because I had two opportunities to play football in college, and I had the opportunity to go to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, rookie camp. But I couldn't go because, I, I, first of all, I didn't have a parent to take me up there. My mom was going to go. And then I had these trips that I had to make to these colleges. My mom wasn't going to take me, only my dad would. And so that kind of, like, ticked me off. I mean, that ticked me off bad We he asked me about college. I was like, man, come on, are you serious? And so, so yeah, that, those, those are the two roughest things at that age when he asked me those questions, but he didn't think about that when he did something dumb in a strike, right? And I found out later that they set the, a dumpster on fire. Dude, you're a grown man. What you? But he was drinking. He was drinking. And so he did something. And that affected all of us, but especially the family. I'm going to tell you the craziest thing ever. So my brother's a year behind me. His senior year comes up. All of a sudden, my mama know how to fill out the paperwork for him to go to college. Did she do that on purpose? I, I, I don't know. I didn't want to. I, at that point, I didn't even want to know. I didn't want to know. And so I joined the military. I went to join the reserve, but I went off to basic training, AIT training. I just had to get away. I just had to get away. But I was like, what? are you serious? Well, no, find out your AP. I mean, all of a sudden, he graduated. They know what to do. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Take me back to you with your pops visiting him. Was there a moment that did you ask him, like, yo, why did you even do this in the first place? Well, no, the thing about it, I didn't realize why he went until years later. Uh, he had gotten out by then. Okay. And probably, I probably didn't even look it up until after he passed away. I probably didn't even look it up. I didn't even research it until probably after he had passed away. Really? Yeah. That's how you found yeah. out? Yeah, that's how I found out. I had to oh, look it up wow. myself. They never told us. They never told the whole time during the trial and all that kind of stuff. They never told us, my mom and dad, what he actually did. Wow. I had to find out about doing some research to find out what he did. You joined the military. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because you know, you're coming now in as, as a wild 18-year-old. I, I am. I am. I am. So I am. And so I'm a year out of high school. I'm 19. so I go to Fort Jackson. That's it. I went to Fort Jackson. And I'm going to tell you, the first, the first day, the training, we had to get up like 6, about 5, 6 in the morning. We out, it, it's in March. And so it's cold and it's dew on the ground. We have T-shirts and shorts. Dude, I am so glad it was raining. I was crying like a damn baby. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I was serious, man. I was crying like a baby. <laughs> Man, I was crying like a baby, man. I, I, and, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all that going around, I said, how the hell I end up here? Mm. That's all I was saying to myself. How in the hell did I end so up? So you had like David Ruffin, though. Oh, I wish it <laughs> we were rain. Yeah. Sunshine. Okay, I yeah. see you, Frank. Yeah, but, but that was the last day. I laughed. I cried. I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I made this decision. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish. And I'm going to make the best of this. Mm. And the best thing, thing that came out of it is that, first of all, going through basic training, I was able to accomplish some things physically, come, uh, overcome some fears or height and things like that. And I was able to actually gain some leadership skills while I was in the military. But the thing I, but the thing I went there for never was accomplished because I, I went there really to, to be disciplined. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work at all. So, I, wait. It, it didn't so, work. So, it didn't work. Why you wasn't disciplined in the military? What happened? You got no, fights and everything? No, no, I didn't get in. No, 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 I didn't get in fights. Cause my thing is, uh, here's how I operate. That, that, I operate like this. You as anybody who know me, tell me the rules. <laughs> tell me the rules up front. I'm gonna figure out a way around. I'm gonna follow the rule. 
But if, if but if there's something outside the rule that I can get away with, but I can say, hey, but you tell me to do this, I'm gonna do it. Like we used to go on these um, uh, expeditions where we go clean the yard. Yeah. And so one of the guys say, you missed the cigarette butt. I said, I'm not picking up that cigarette butt. I said, I pick up trash, but I'm not picking up cigarette butts. Somebody ain't picking up cigarette butts. Cause I don't smoke. You know the people who smoke. So I'm picking up their cigarette butts. And they looked at me. He said, smokers, come in here and pick up these cigarette butts. I, 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 I'm not doing that. You said that to your superior? Yeah. I'm not picking up cigarette butts. That's not been in people's mind. I am not doing that. No, I, I, yeah. I, I challenge I challenge everything. <laughs> I challenge If I can get away with it, I challenge it. There was a time we was in Virginia. It was about 110 degrees outside. We was out there doing field work. And they know they should have called us in. And so luckily we had some women, some ladies in our uh, in our platoon. So I got them together. I, I said, y'all did the fake like all passing out. And they did it. So y'all can get out of it? Yeah. You orchestrated that whole thing? I orchestrated the whole thing. I said, you got, don't do it at the same time. Do it, let them take one away, then the other one did it. Took, by the time the second one got to the, to the nursing station, they called us all in. I'm, I'm telling you, give me the rules. I mean, playing cards, <laughs> playing board games. Tell me the rules. <laughs> as long as I know the rules. I don't break rules, but I know how to work around the rules. Frank, what? you and I ain't playing no board games, bro. I'm telling you. No, we ain't playing stays, nothing. Why no, not? No. Why no, not? That means you're going to go find a way around. I'm going to find a way around. Technically, you don't have a buck, so that's fine. <laughs> you owe me. Nah. Oh, yeah. Nah. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, so I didn't learn discipline at all. I, I, came, I came out just as big as fool as I went in there. So how long <laughs> were you in the military for? Eight years. But the best thing that came out of it was a GI Bill. And so now I'm going to school. I'm going to Georgia State. So now you decide to make to make that transition. What made you decide to do that? Because I was going to college. I was going to college. I, I was going to college. That was a promise you made to yourself. I made that to myself, and and it probably was the best thing that ever happened to me because I was able to do it. Mm. Um, because I worked full time and I went to school full time was was crazy. Yeah. Especially in the nineties in Atlanta. Yeah. I don't I don't remember sleeping in the nineties. You go to school and you finish that. Ah, no, oh. I don't finish that. Um I, I was at, so I'm, I'm at Georgia State. I'm in my junior year. In my junior year, my dad died on the week of finals. Oh. And so instead of taking some time off to mourn and bear all that kind of stuff, I went and tried to take finals anyway. Grace, yes. Ah, then I got put on suspension. And so what I did, I didn't bother to go back. Mm. I didn't bother to go back. I kept working. And so now I'm just in life. I'm just in life with no clue of what I want to do. Not one clue what I want to do. Put me in that headspace you were in at that time. The headspace that I was in is that I never had direction. Mm. I never had direction. Because I didn't have a father to give me direction. Not even like men from your neighborhood, old neighborhood. Or anything? You, you just had back then. You had men like get off my lawn, mm. uh, come help, come help me do my yard, stuff like that. But if force pouring into you and telling you you better than this, that 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 didn't happen to me. There were some good men in my life, but nobody like took me under their wing and was like, hey boy, you need to get your head straight and go this way or tell me what to do I never had anybody a male to tell me what to do with life I had football coaches baseball coaches even um, I went to church every Sunday nobody told me what to do and how to do pretty had to figure out on my own do you think that because of you having to look for the answers on your own because of the lack of guidance, fatherly guidance, do you think that puts you at a disadvantage? It put me at an advantage. At an advantage. It put me at an advantage because what I have discovered and I discovered everybody that I, that, I, that I walk with and talk with today is the answer is inside of you. Yes. Some outside influences is probably their desire for you, but it's not God's desire for you. And not your real deep down desire for yourself. And that's what I discovered. And so when I deal with young men, when I deal with even my daughters, I don't tell them what to do or how to do it. 
I'm just there to support them in what they do. Anyway, if they have questions, they can come here and ask, right? What you think about this? That I'm thinking about that. Uh, Mr. Frank, I'm doing this. I say, you, well, you got it, son. You, you, you go ahead and be that cheerleader. Because the answer is in every individual. And that's what I score about myself. That's what I know as fact for everybody else. The answer is inside yourself. In that same vein, when you said that you had no direction, mm-hmm. it was all over the place. In that headspace, was like, hey, look, I didn't have nobody to guide me. I'm gonna have to figure this thing out my own. When did Frank finally figure this thing out? When it like, Eureka, I got it. November second, 1998. Why does that hit a certain mark for you? Cause that's when I was in a head-on collision with a truck, with a suburban. I was driving a Ford Festiva, and I woke up in the hospital two days later. How did that happen? I was, from what I understand, because all I remember, I was at church and we were doing ministry at the um, DeKalb Youth Center. And all I remember is turning left out of the parking lot. I woke up in Greater Hospital. That's all I remember. Over the time, I, people were filling me in on what actually happened. From what I was told, when I got hit, it was luckily it was a fire station right there at the corner. One of the guys who knows my wife family told them to stir so that I, I could recall it. And they said, well, go look at the guy in the truck. Because when they saw the car that I was in, they said, we know he didn't make it. And it just so happened, one of the ladies that goes out of church was behind me at the light where I supposedly got hit. And she went to check it on me and they said, no, he has a pulse. And when I got to the hospital, I was in a coma. Just as sure as I hear your voice, you hear my voice right now. God said this, this, this a few words. He said, now you can live. That's it. Because what I found out about myself, like the reason I didn't have direction, the reason why I didn't try things or do things, because I was afraid to fail. I was really afraid to live. I'm just out there just doing whatever, don't care what happened to me. And God said, now you can really live. Why were you afraid to live? I don't know. I, I have I have no clue because I, I guess, because I ain't know what the hell I was doing. You ever, been, you ever took a test and didn't know good hell well? I, <laughs> Right? So what you do? You just fill out a test and go and just leave. That was me. That was me living. I was, I was taking the test and I didn't know the answer to it. So I didn't. I didn't take time to just learn how to live until my life was taken almost taken away. Then I started valuing my life. So I had to value my life. So you come out of that. Come out of the coma. Mm-hmm. You get the epiphany, mm-hmm. spiritual epiphany that you waking now. Mm-hmm. Now Frank is walking out this hospital. Yeah. Ever now you're told by God, now you can officially live. Mm-hmm. Still, this is a big task you're about to take under. Yeah. What's the move now? Well, the move now um, mm-hmm. is that I was dating. I was dating Kathleen during the time of this accident. Mm. And and my sister-in-law was funny. She was in the hospital, and she said, "Wow, I was coming out my coma. I told her that I'm gonna marry Kathleen. I don't remember saying it, but she said I said it. Yeah, but and I did." And I did. I married her, and uh, within the first year, and I knew she was the one, you know, um, because we were just friends. So y'all was friends at the time of the accident, or yeah. y'all were dating? We were kicking it. And once I once I came out of that situation, I said I need to go and marry this, you know, because she 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 had it. She she checked all the boxes for me, and so. And so now, after the accident, I had broke um, two bones in my femur, my thigh. One near the hip, one near the knee. And they put a rod in it, right? But the rod was bothering me, so they, so they agreed to take the rod out of my thigh. So I go up to the church. Stella, look, I was at Georgia. I went back to school. Mm. Went back to Georgia State. But instead of me going to school that night, I went and played basketball. Broke my leg again. Oh. Because the, what I found out is that, that bone marrow don't replenish itself. So I just had a hollow bone. Yikes. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> and so I broke my leg again. This time, I'm married. Now, this is a year in, probably. And so um, after that, you know, I had to heal from that. And um, let me see, how can I say this? And because we was, like, still in our honeymoon phase, my wife kind of, like, took advantage of me, I would say, because I couldn't move. And that when we got pregnant with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, there went the old sob story we were waiting for right there. Wow. 
And yeah. I was ready to get my tissue and say, yeah. oh, man, she yeah. just helping them. It was crazy. Wow. But, 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 being, but in, even in that, I didn't finish school. Mm. I didn't finish school. But when I had that, when I had my first child, we wind just a little bit. Before I married Kathleen, I made her a promise that I was going to go back and get my degree. I made her, I made Kathleen that promise. But when we had the baby, I said, I know I have to go back now. Uh, transfer my credits to Shorter College, finished there. And the crazy thing about it, soon I graduated in May 2nd, 2008. And I started my master program May the 9th, 2008. And so I, I saw then I got my MBA. Because Kathleen took, hi Kathleen, um, because she took <laughs> advantage. Advantage, yeah, she took advantage. So, you get word. Frank, oh I'm God. pregnant. Oh my God. Frank, what goes through your head? I remember like yesterday, man. Look, she tell you I'm pregnant. First of all, I had to take my cue from her. And so, and so I said, you pregnant? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm mouth open right now. So I asked her, well, how you want me to react? <laughs> because if she's excited, I'm going to be excited. If she's not excited, I'm, I'm about to be there supporting her. If she's not excited. But I was excited. I was excited. And so, uh, but anyway, it was like, wow. And so go to the doctor to get it confirmed. I'm like, wow. Things finna change now. Yeah. Things finna change now. So, so, so when she first told me that, I'm like, wow. I'm going to be a father. Because again, during my period where I had no direction. To be totally honest with you, Aunt, I never thought I was gonna be a father. Mm. During that time, I didn't even think I was gonna be a husband. That's what I'm saying. No direct. I, I mean, it's out there in life. No clue what the hell's going on. This is how lost I was, you know. But so now, from husband, now going to be a father. And so, Bob, uh, they had this wonderful class at the Red Hope uh, where it was a class for expected mothers. Um, Parents and me class or something. Yeah, yeah mommy and me. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, and um, and so we took that class and we started writing journals and things. We want to pray for our child, right? And so, it, and another funny thing about it is that when we went to get the other child to find out the sex of the baby, because I remember having a uh, dream of me laying on the sofa in a house and a little girl jumps on my stomach. I remember that dream vivid. I can see I can see her face. Even before I met this before I met Kathleen, I saw this. And when we went down, we was there at the doctor's office with our Kathleen's parents. And he was saying, well, I hope it's a boy. I said, no, it's a girl. And they said it was a girl. He said, how you know that? I know the I know the creator. <laughs> and, then, and, the, and, and the and the and here comes Aaron. And, and I'm gonna tell you, in in the um delivery room, I'm telling you, when you when your time comes, man, please be in that delivery. When they took, when they took her, well, the thing about she was supposed to have been born in October, but she wasn't born to November the 10th. We found out that her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck and went dry. And she also went dry. And so they CCS and, get, and they took out, I was like, wow, I can see you see the thing wrapped around her neck. But they went and cleaned her up and did all that kind of stuff and brought that baby over to me. Now that's what I want to know. Dude. The question I asked <laughs> fathers. Dude. When they put Aaron, little baby Aaron, yeah. this freshly baked bread out the oven and put this little baby girl in your in your arms, in your hands. Papa Frank, what goes through your head? Dude, that was the most beautiful baby I ever seen in my life. And I, and I don't see babies. That's my, that's my baby. I mean, and, she, and it looked like it was, because she gave it to me first. Mm. And, and me and that baby locked eyes. What was that like when your your little girl locks eyes with you? Uh, it, I'm t <sighs> is it words? I don't think it's words. It's just that connection. Like, damn, this is my. <sighs> I'm like, damn. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm just in love. I thought I loved my I love my wife. I love her to death. But that connection of child and and, and daddy, oh my god! And she would look at me. Okay, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know she looking at me like, okay. And she was looking at me like, okay, what's next? I'm like, man, because nothing prepared me for it. My my first child, nothing prepared me for it. You know, you go, you decorate the rooms, you buy the baby furniture, you know, all that kind of good stuff. You know, you know, you okay, we ready for a baby, we ready for a baby. They put that baby in your hand. I'm like, dude, 
This got real. So then now you bring her home. Oh, driving about 15 miles per hour. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So you drive and then you get her home. You hit the threshold of the door and mm-hmm. she's now in the house. We put the baby in her um, bassinet. Right. She was in our room and we stood next to her and looked at her. And it almost seemed like uh, simultaneously we didn't even look at each other because there's no nurses, there's no family members around, just me and my wife and this baby. We just looked at each other. And it's like, all right, what are we going to do next? Right. It, it got, it get, it's get real, real quick because the responsibility. If you take it serious, it's serious. Mm. This baby, that's a line. Right. That's, that's, see, I'm serious, man, because now you got someone who is totally dependent for everything. So, Frank, you there were moments, I'm sure you had those moments where it was just you and baby Aaron, just by yourself. What was that like when you're there, dad and this little baby, and you're like staring at her? Did you have like a conversation or something? Uh, but, yeah, because we talked with Aaron even in the womb. Right. Because she told she recognized her, our voice. And I just spent time, to, I just talked, I, I talked to her like, we don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. No, we talked to her. And and I spent a lot of time, man, because I, I know the pressure that moms are, you know, they're trying to heal, you know, the postpartum, all that kind of stuff. And and I, and I didn't want her to, 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 Pass out trying to recover and be a mom and all that kind of stuff. And I know that she, I know she would have trouble getting her to latch the breastfeed and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's very stressful for moms. Yeah. And so my 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 take was to take the pressure off Kathleen. But in doing that, Aaron and I, I mean, all the time. I mean, all the time. So as I get home from work, I get the baby. Because she be at home with the baby all by herself. So as I get home, I'm going to the baby. Feed, watch, change, all that kind of stuff. I love being a father to a new especially mine I just love it what was that like when changing you know you had some new father like uh, uh, but you're changing feeding everything explain the connection well the connection is that again I mean cause they just lying there looking up at you I mean looking at you and I can only imagine them trying to figure out this joke right but at the same time she looking at me like I know you my daddy and now they don't make noise and again I'm talking to her I'm saying funny stuff to make her laugh and all that kind of stuff. So the connection is now really getting getting stronger and stronger between me and, and Aaron. And so, but I because I was, I was the first one to change both of my daughters at the hospital. I changed both of them. But then when they get like three months and it starts smelling like a grown man, man, that's <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what the hell you eat? See, when they were newborn, they were kind of cute. When they get about two or three months old, Lord Jesus, what in the world? The, the amount that your body is not this big. Not right. Big. Like, are you? And, <laughs> they and bring it keeps it. coming. Like, stop, stop. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, but those 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 were fun times for me because mm. uh, fortunately I had her when I was in my 30s. And so me trying to make excuses to go out with the fellas and do this and do that, I was past that. You know what I'm saying? I, I was well past that. I just wanted to just be at my bank. Mm. That's all I wanted to do. I guess when with Kathleen came into your life, that's when it was like, all right, now I'm hitting responsibility. But now when I got this baby, this baby. responsibility, mm-hmm. as you said, is real. Mm-hmm. If you assume responsibility, now it's like, yeah, can't hang out with y'all. Yeah. None of that. Because normally you would hear for some new fathers. Sometimes you would hear for new fathers that they would say, man, you know, I'd love to go out, man, but I can't. I can't. But it was opposite for you. It wasn't a decision to make. And my close friends and buddies, they understood that. Just one thing I did not want to happen, that my kids don't know me. That's, a, that's another fear, mm. that my kids don't know me. And I'm in the same house. Because if you go back to the dynamic between me and my father, my dad just worked, right. drank. Oh, he, he told her how to change all, change tired, stuff like that. But for life directions. Yeah, never heard the word, I love you. I'm proud of you. Not straight in. Yeah, three point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good student. Didn't get in trouble. But you were determined to make sure you said that to yours. Oh, yeah. They're going to know. They're going to know that I love. And I'm going to show them that I love. I was dead set on it. Fast forward a couple of years later. Kathleen took advantage of you again. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. <laughs> Frank, I think I'm pregnant. Now that was the that was the funniest one. Okay. Now, this was, was not expected. Cause this happened on a cruise ship. 
This happened on a cruise ship. It was too funny. We was on this cruise ship with the Red Hope with the couples ministry. We went on a cruise together. The ship was right behind mm. a hurricane. Whoa. And so the boat is rocking, I mean, rocking like crazy. And it ain't you two. No, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't us two. <laughs> and then we get back when she found out she's pregnant. And this one time, time it was different. And so again, she go, and when she go back to the doctor to verify the pregnancy, they couldn't find it. When she went back in three weeks, they, they couldn't find the fetus. Now, watch this. She didn't tell me that. I didn't find out till after the baby was born. I, 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 have, I, was, I had no clue that this was going on. And so somehow some women in church, they prayed with and all that kind of stuff. That when they went back, they found the baby. And they eventually go on. And, and, and the funny part is that the day they supposed to have a baby shower, she gave birth that day. So she couldn't make the baby shower. And so Mackenzie, it's the funniest little thing because remember, she couldn't find the fetus. And when Mackenzie was walking, Mackenzie would always hide from her. Wow. <laughs> she was always hide. Really? Always hide. She was just running high. She couldn't find the fetus. Then it appears, but when you come home as a little tight, she's always hiding from you. So you have to go and search the house, literally it, turn the house over. Yeah, because you know, what they, they they can't hide well. Because <laughs> they giggling and all that. Right here, <laughs> yeah. I'm right, you're right behind the pole, baby. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you about her. She used to fight to again, have the baby, give them to me. And, you know, I look at, again, I mean, they just looking at it. One thing I love about the birth of Mackenzie is that they allowed me to go back to the nursery with her. And what they did, she had some kind of congestion fluid in her, so they put a tube down her nose. This is right out, out the womb. I don't know how she did it to the day. She got her little hands and snatched that tube out of her nose. Really? That kind of that kind of motor skills she had. Wow. I'm like, oh hell. I knew I had one. I knew I had me one. Did you freak out when you saw her do that? I like, I'm dumb. I, I like, oh my God, what the hell I got myself into? I knew you're not supposed to be, doing, be able to do that right out the womb uh, for his motor skills. And perceive, I mean, she grabbed that thing and just snapped it out of her nose. And she didn't cry? No. She's the one. Wow. She is the one. She feisty, headstrong, and they are day and night. They are day and night. And now the challenge as a father, one thing I do know, cause I have a great relationship with my brother. I, I remember there was a time where, where he actually hated my guts, but uh, but I didn't know it. He confided me and told me that because he was one year behind me, teachers, coaches, everybody compared him to me. I never did it, they did. And so he hated me, but then probably about, you know, uh, years ago, we sat down and talked. Because my thing is, like anybody, I, I always want the person behind me, or with me, I don't care who it is, to be way better than I am. But I still, I don't think of myself as a guru or nothing, of anything. That, I, I, that's just me, that I was. That's just that, that's what I want for people around me. And I told him that. And I told him how proud of him of the marriage that he had, the sons that he had, the career that, because I, I am proud of him, you know what I'm saying? And so one thing I did not want to do is to create that with my girls. Okay. And so, how do you do that? You know, so I had to learn that Aaron and McKenzie are not the same person, so I can't treat them, I can't discipline them the same. Absolutely. Right? I didn't have to spank them. But that McKenzie? Boy, wore yourself out. Oh, God. Jesus. She made us parents. That girl made us parents. Mm. She made us better parents because she made us parent her. She made us parent her. So I never had to go to the school for Aaron. I can't tell you how many times I had to go to school for McKenzie. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times. I can't, I can't tell you how many times. And when they start dancing together and doing things together, yeah. even at school, because Aaron was great. Aaron was a great student. And then she goes to the same school. Aaron goes to the teacher's like, she's nothing like Aaron. We had, to, we had to go to school. Look, you're not going to do my kids like that. Mm. So you had to check the teachers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I checked the teachers. Wow. You're not going to do my kids like that. That's Aaron. She's gone. This is with Kenzie. Frank, you did something interesting, though, with your brother. Then you told him how proud of him you were. Mm -hmm. Something that you said earlier. You didn't even hear that from your own father. But you he heard this from his older brother. Don't you find that interesting? I found it very interesting because what, what, I don't know if you call it overcompensating. It's like the thing that you need and desire the most is the thing that you give out the most. Mm -hmm. What I found. Because you didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm going to make sure people around me get it. Wow. That's why I try to encourage people all the time because I know how important that is. And you don't know how many people you want to who never heard those words. So, Frank, now 
the girls are growing, they're walking, they're talking, they're dancing, all these things. Dad, you're sitting in the back, you're watching your kids doing dance and all that. How do you take it all in? <laughs> that's, great. that's a great one. Because, because, because they do dance, they flip and dance and do everything. But my thing is, if they're not breaking anything, they're not doing anything bad, so to speak. Because, um, you know, they have their chores. Yeah. And, and at an early age, I told them that your priority is God and school. That's it. Even at early age. Yeah. You know, and so as long as you're doing that and not breaking rules of the house, I just let them develop and be who they want to be. We set rules, we set boundaries. You stay within those boundaries. No, you get too loud. You know, teach you how to be respectful and stuff like that. But as far as learning how to help them develop and know themselves, because I didn't know me, I didn't know what life, I didn't know anything about myself, I want them to express that. You know what I'm saying? Again, because I didn't have it, I want them to have the freedom to have it because, you know, we make too much noise in our dad's house. Ah, about that fuss doing and that, we, you know. So, no, I'm not I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to just re- overreact because my dad overreacted. I'm dead set against that. Yeah. I did, and then, and then I, I'm, I'm married to a woman who never got spanking in her life, but she helped me with that too, mm. and and she helped me with me ha- learning how to parent a girl. You're she a girl told dad, yeah, well, you're right. Well, I am now. Yeah. And she with her help, yeah. she helped me become girl dad because okay, you got all these nice little doctors, Spark or something like that, right? Children, how to raise children. Yeah. There's not a book on Aaron. There's not a book on Mackenzie. Correct. How do you parent them too? Right. And so, uh, so Kathleen helped me out a lot. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell, tell you a funny story about both of them potty training. Oh, dude. Oh boy, this should be good. Dude, oh my God. And so when, when they do it in nursery, they just go, they just rip the band-aid off. Like, he'll start wearing panties. Right. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. Because my wife is school teacher. So I didn't want to go pick them up. Mm-hmm. If something happened in school, I had to go to school. Because I was versatile with my job like that. And so I get them home, and they start this potty training. I didn't know they had started and so, you know, the girls come get them snack. They just stand up. They just both on there pissing right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking they got on something, right. right? I didn't know they took the pull-up off. The teacher took it off. Yeah. They, they I mean they go straight cold turkey. Straight. I like. Oh my god. I mean, I mean they stand up. <laughs> I'm losing it. I'm losing it. My wife get home. Says, What's wrong? I mean they just stand up being. I said, oh, they just being potty trained. I mean, she she just called about like, what the hell is going on? I'll tell you, man, I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready for that. Yeah. Because when they first started, they did. My, I think my wife went by the store to pick up the little potty to teach them. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't have that in the house. I yet? didn't have that in the house yet, right? Oh. <laughs> and nobody told me anything. You think after I go pick them up, the lady at the daycare said, "Tell me." You know, but no, she talked to my wife about that. She didn't talk to me about it. I was like, oh, my God. Really? We didn't have the potty in the we house. We didn't even have the potty oh, in the house. No. I was like, dude. Now the girl's grown up into teenagers. Dad, what is it like having teenagers? Well, Aaron's 20. Mm-hmm. Sophomore at Hampton University. Oh, we're going to go in there. But what is it like when you had them... When now okay. they're entering their teenage phase. Teenage phase, uh, okay. First, they, they get the, they get these things called cycles. Oh boy, what was that like for um, you? First of all, okay. How did you find out? How did I find out? Oh, I found out the hard way. I found out the hard way. Washing clothes, all the damn thing. You freaked out, dude. <laughs> you thought the pen instant. That is freaked me out. So you thought like they were hurt or something? They didn't tell you. No, no, no. I, you know, I knew, you know, I knew oh. I, when I saw it, I knew what it was. No. But then you think about it, that's your baby. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> okay, listen, we can't nah, we can't wash clothes together. <laughs> 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 this, this, not, this not working for me. Everybody from here on out, wash your own damn clothes. <laughs> here on out. Wash your own clothes. Girls are developing and, oh, and all that good stuff. <laughs> now it's like... Frank, did you go into like, I'm now like Terminator dad? Like, if any of you clowns come up to my girls. I'm gonna tell you, we went, Mackenzie had a birthday party. We had a hotel in Buckhead. She liked to go swimming. Aaron comes comes down to the pool and takes off her cover, cover thing. Uh-huh. And she had this swimsuit on with her back out. Yep. <sighs> I, I think I, I, I think I had a minute. I said, "Oh hell!" I mean, I just screamed, "Oh hell no!" She put a cover on us there and then come back down because I, I overreacted. 
but I have never seen her that way. Breast, yeah. butt, back out. Right. I never seen her that way. So I'm telling you, it's just hard to get the little girl out of my mind. It's hard. And I and I apologize to her today, still for something that happened like six seven, six years ago, because that took me somewhere where I didn't know that I didn't know that space was there until I saw her. I'm like, oh my god! Now you got got a grown little woman, a grown ass woman. Jeez, watching them graduate and all that, Dad. What's that like when you're seeing your girls just matriculate? And, yeah. and into adulthood and also scholastically, what's that? Yeah, because um, Aaron, Aaron, unfortunately, was in the class that didn't graduate because of COVID. Oh, right. And so they had a little ceremony at the school for them to ride around and get their yeah. diplomas and stuff with the gown, cap and gown on. You know, but some of them got out, take, took pictures and stuff. And so Aaron handed me her diploma case. And I had my back turned to them. And I saw that name. I saw that last name. I, 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 I ain't ashamed to admit it, dog. I was crying like a damn baby. I'm friend of cry. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they turned around like, cause she gave her a taste of more people. Damn, I need my plus. All three of them just put their arms around me. They like, I, I was, I was boohooing, man. I was like, wow, just to see that, because my daddy never saw my diploma. My daddy wasn't at my grave. I had about 20, 30 people there. Aunts, uncles came up from Alabama. One person went there. Cause his so all that flooded over you at that moment. It's two years ago. Three years. Still affects. It's still, it's still it's still a determinant factor on how I respond and act to anything family related. So is it because of how your dad was that I've noticed about you that you don't overreact? I've never seen you overreact when it I comes try to not girls. To. Right. I try not. Right. To. I've never seen you really overreact in public. I've never because, seen yeah. you. Re- I, ne- I don't know mm-hmm. it in private. I'm not at the home, but I've never seen you really overreact in public to the girls. Is there a reason for that? Is that from stemming from father or just you? Well, it's, it's stemmed from, from, a couple, from a couple of things. First of all, my wife, because I did overact about the bikini thing. Yeah. And I saw the pain it caused. It caused when I overreact. But there's two things that helped me. Is that my military training, stay calm, you know, reading and stuff. But playing sports uh, helped me to be calm under pressure. But also working in corporate America really helps stay calm because... You're the only black in the office. They looking for your ass to mess up. Just like my dad did. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Messed up. I can't make that mistake. I got too much to lose. So yes, I have to stay calm. And they need to see me calm because I don't want them to get used to seeing a man overact on them. Get used to that. You saw that with your dad. Did that to your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Just overreact and say stuff about their mom in front of the kids. Nah. I'm not done. I chose that. You know, I can always be, I can both say, I even blame my daddy for it. No, no, because my dad, in essence, was a good man. I don't think he ever learned how to cope. He saw his own brother get killed mm. by a white man in Alabama. He saw that. Oh. You see what I'm saying? He been through hell. He saw this in racist Alabama. He saw a lot that he probably didn't get a chance to talk to anybody about. I'm going to give him an excuse, but I understand. And he made the wrong choices. He made bad decisions. And so once I learned how to make Learn that I have decisions and try to make the best decisions keeps me calm. Because if I'm out of control, we don't make good decisions. Frank, why do you keep your towel in your journey of fatherhood? Because I'm sure there was some moments where you could have easily said, I'm done. I, I keep my towel because I want everything out of life. There's some things that I, I forfeited because I was lost. I didn't have direction. I want my issue back. That's why I keep the towel. I want to die empty. I got too much to give. I don't want to die with potential. Oh, man, he was so good at this. You know? Don't talk about what I didn't complete. When I die, I want you to talk about what I did. And I got so much to do and so much to give. And, and that's why I'm standing in this fight. I used to use my wife and my kids as that excuse. But now, what I found out, that if I take care of me, fulfill my dreams, fulfill my destiny, they're gonna get taken care of too. And so, um, so yeah, I stay in that fight. I got some fights to win. Yeah, I've been knocked down. I've been knocked out. I've been TKO'd, low bloke, hitting the nuts a couple times. Uh, failed some drug tests, got disqualified. But uh, I still got, I still got much more to accomplish for Frank. For every young man that may be looking at me, for some young lady that may be looking at me, and I'm still gonna try to make my daddy proud. Mm. That might that might push me more than anything. You were to meet your father today. 
sit face to face with him, what would you tell him? I tell him thank you. I spoke at his funeral because of how my daddy was. I wanted people to see the good side of my daddy. My daddy was a good man. My daddy worked hard to provide for his family. That's the best thing he did again to get us out of that damn country to bring us to Atlanta for more opportunities. I want to thank him for that. I want to thank him for the work ethic because if I didn't have the work ethic that he had, I wouldn't make it incorporate. I wouldn't make. I wouldn't have kept going till I got my MBA. His work ethic taught me that. And, and, and I actually had the chance before he died to forgive him. Yeah, while he was living. Wow. To forgive him for me, for me being, I, I'm not going to say abandoned, but left me out there to figure this thing out by myself. But again, the Bible says all things work together for the good, and good came out of it. I just think, he, I just think in, a, in a ramble of a grand scheme of things, it had to happen that way for me to be who I am. What would you tell those fathers out there, young fathers, fathers who's still trying to figure this thing out, OG fathers who's still trying to figure this thing out? But I would tell them is that, first of all, that's your child, and you're their father whether you acknowledge it or not, that being fatherhood is the best return on investment that you could possibly have. Your kids is a representative of you. You are a representative of your kids. You have an opportunity with your kids to establish a standard of living. You have an opportunity to resolve any mistakes that you have made coming up. And you have a way to right the wrongs or even of your parents that didn't quite get it right. You got a chance to get this right with your kids. The relationship with your wife or your baby mama has nothing to do with your relationship with your kids. Because when your ass get old, your kids got to do something with you. When you get old, who's going to take care of you? Make sure your kids want to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. Well, folks, there you have it. Got a chance to go ahead and vibe with this gentleman, this incredible father of what fatherhood is all about. And there you have it, y'all. You heard his story. You heard where it all started from him and the battles he had to deal with. And he was just honest with himself that even he didn't know direction. And that just shows in life we're not always going to have it together. But he did not throw in his towel. Even as he said, life gave him a hook. Life gave him blows, low blows. And even he disqualified himself, but he came right back in the ring to take life on and again. And even though life looked him in the eye and said, you back here? Guess what Frank said? You're damn right I am. Let's do this one more time. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for vibing with us. And Frank, this sparring session is officially over. It is over. So thank you so much for joining me. Like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Keep up the good work out there. And if you think you're not a good enough father, go ahead. Listen to this all over again. So we'll check you when we check you. We'll see you when we see you. We are out of here. Peace.